Bitcoin. Welcome to another POW market update. My name is Anson Leonard. This is Bitcoin and Markets. This is not investment advice, people. Do your own research. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me. We have so much to talk about. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't get to everything here. There's there's so much news happening. So much happening over the last uh, couple days here, even in Bitcoin. But I'm going to touch on as much as I can here, uh, especially in regards to the major goings on. So let's jump right into price. And I will just hit news as I go. So we, as we sit here, Bitstamp is 87.52, and we had a very big decline over the last couple days, couple $1,000 decline days. And the the main news weighing over this market, at least yesterday and the day before, probably, was this uh, Mount Gox guy, Kobayashi, I guess his name is. Uh, it looked like back, so what day was this? Back on March 5th, we were pushing up on 11.77. We were hitting not only this double top horizontal resistance on the charts, but we were also hitting the uh, downward sloping logarithmic trend line. Everything looked good. Everything really did look good, in my opinion. Um, we even broke it for... A little while then we started going down and it came out that day that there was this mount these mount gox coins and people started dumping bitcoins onto the market um, lots and lots of different angles we can take this okay uh, i think first off yes they he had been dumping coins and and this kobayashi is the mount gox trustee but to sell the coins to get money to pay back the Mt. Gox people, uh, it was kind of a slap in the face because not only did he seem to be uh, Mt. Gox burnt them originally, but now they were pushing the price down and were burning, every, they are burning everybody a second time. They have been selling throughout these last couple months. Uh, the price went up to 20000 and they, they happened to sell like right at the top almost, or at least transfer Bitcoins out of their wallet to probably the exchanges to start dumping right at the top and then throughout the time here they had been selling more and more coins um, i think that that had a lot to do with this price decline but it, it's not dramatic uh, but it is a good narrative to sell and you know news follows price so now that we see this big decline and we see the Mt. Gox stuff, we can go back and we can, uh, our brain sees patterns that this is what happened. But that's not necessarily the case. I mean, he only sold 40,000 coins over two months. 40,000 coins. And yes, he did it in a very bad way, probably a market sell. And he was also warned against that. Kraken CEO Jesse Powell came out and said, you know, we told him to do this and this. Do not sell it on the open market. Go through an auction. We will even facilitate that auction. But the trustee continued to um, want to dump these coins. Of course, I think there's there's probably some insider trading happening. You know, 
he personally or other people, insiders involved, were taking the opposite side of all those trades, right? Like, we're going short while he was dumping. That's probably the case. Um, but, again, it, it wasn't, it, the price didn't go down because of this, this happening. But once we learned about it, so this is, that was over the last two months, now in the last two days, once we learned about it, this caused a very big overhang in the market because people see these coins out there that he hasn't sold, 160,000 coins, and they, they lose all hope. They're like, oh my God, are you serious? Because uh, there's all these coins out there that could be dumped and they're not being dumped. So uh, they, they could dump at any time and, and this whole thing is going down. Well, I don't know. I, I don't I don't buy that. If you look at uh, the show notes, I put in there a link to this guy on Reddit that I found. He started a website where he found a bunch of these addresses that are linked to Docs and he's watching them so and on this website live i mean if they move some of these coins you'll see it'll say moved right or if coins are added to these these addresses you'll see that there's there's action happening here Um, and all these addresses seem to have about two thousand bitcoins in them Uh, that's on its face different than what we saw prior because i saw a bunch of uh you know addresses that were associated with Kobayashi and he he was moving like 14 15,000 bitcoins and usually in chunks of 6 to 7,000. This is fundamentally different. These are $2,000 or 2,000 bitcoin addresses. And it's interesting because in the Silk Road they auctioned off the US Marshals auctioned off 2,000 bitcoin blocks. Um, it almost to me when I see this my my gut instinct was, "Oh, okay, they're getting these addresses together." so that they can auction off 2,000 Bitcoin blocks of coins. Makes total logical sense to me. I don't know. I mean, you guys can tell me what you think. Yeah, so the price went down. And, you know, once once all this, this fear is in, in the market, people that want to know the direction of the trades, like these MM pump groups out of Russia or China, they get a hold of this and they're like, okay, well, look, there's all this fear in the market. All we have to do is start moving this price a little bit and we can know the direction of the market. We can trade off that. So they, I think there was uh, market makers that used this fear to their advantage to push down the price because there's no evidence that these Mt. Gox coins were sold in the last two days. So um, what's pushed down the price? It's all of these Fudsters that are getting involved. This could be squashed in an instant if Kobayashi comes out today or something like that and says, look, we're planning on auctioning these co- the rest of the coins. Boom. Market, you know, confidence returns to the market and we pump up. Right. So I'm not I'm not worried about this at all. But anyway, let's continue with the prices. So Bitstamp now we're at eighty seven forty six. So that makes one finny eighty seven cents. <coughs> The Mayer multiple is under one, guys. This it's only been under under one for about twenty five percent of the time. So if you are looking at the history of Bitcoin and you see that the price has been above a certain marker for seventy five percent of the time, the odds are in your favor to make a trade, right? In that in that respect. So I think we're going to see a return above the 
200 day moving average here very quickly, especially once we get this this FUD out of the way. So the 200 day moving average is at 20, uh, sorry, 89.26. We're at 87.40. So uh, I expect that distance to be covered here today. By the end of the day, that distance will be covered. Mayor multiple is sub one right now. I don't know the exact percentage, but it's sub one. Okay, three month futures, 86.68. That is roughly a hundred dollar backwardation right now for future three month quarterly futures. That not, not not even three month now. These are the end of month, so their quarterly contracts, end of month March contracts, uh, are at a one hundred dollar discount. That's just gasoline to push this price up. And we'll see that spread decrease. Remember, because the spread has to be zero at the end of the month. And I know we're still three weeks away from the end of the month, but, you know, being this far in backwardation, this close to the end of the month, is pretty interesting to me. Okay, so we have the March contract on CME, 87.80. So that's a premium, actually, 87 80 for the three month CME or not three month. That's the end of month CME futures. And the June contract is 85.20. So that's at a pretty heavy discount, at least for right now. We'll watch what happens to that. But remember, these, these uh, futures have the 20% circuit breakers on them. So you have to be careful with that. Let me check out the volume we have here. Volume has been picking up on these over the last few days here. I will link to the, well, if you just go to the link in the in the show notes, the CME group link, and then you click on volume at the top, you will see, you know, get a nice little bar chart there of the volume. And it looks like about between 1,000 and 2,000 contracts per day is the average here. So we have some days where we're sub 1,000. On March 2nd, we only had 700 contracts, but most of the days were, were over a thousand. And at this is total volume traded, not added to the market. Like right now, we can see. Okay, well, let me finish that thought. Um, if you're talking a thousand contracts, each contract is five bitcoins, five thousand contracts, or sorry, five thousand bitcoins volume on CME, the largest exchange in the world. That's not very much. It's definitely not enough to be market manipulating. Um, let me check this out. The total volume for the March contracts yesterday was 2,500 contracts. And the total net open interest at the close was 1,400 contracts. So that's nothing. What is that? 7,500 Bitcoins. 7,500 Bitcoins open interest in the CME futures for this nearest month. And then when we look at uh, the total open interest for all contracts on CME, 1,579. That is nothing. Absolutely nothing. And there was no real volume at all for June contracts. So that's the end of second quarter contracts. We only had yesterday 11 contracts sold. 11. And there's a net open interest on June contracts of 84. There is no volume here on these cash settled futures at all. It has nothing. There's absolutely no influence on the price period dot end of story from these, these contracts, but okay, let's continue on BitMEX futures. So we have the March contracts on BitMEX 8814. 
and the June contracts, 89.49. So that's a healthy premium. Yesterday they was they were lagging a little bit, and today they are back doing well. So uh, that's I'm not worried at all about that price. Again, that is a premium versus the three month OK coin subtle futures that is at a discount or so yeah at a discount. Healthy. The the price structure here is healthy. I actually want to see higher CME volume. You know, that is this this institutional activity. Because they're not going to go on to OKCoin and buy futures or BitMEX and buy futures. Even though the BitMEX volumes, guys, that is the highest volume exchange in the world. The reason why it's not listed at the top of, you know, like coin market cap, the list of uh, exchange volumes, because it's not fiat, right? It's all uh, XBT. It's all kind of notional. And um, so even though it's it's probably five to ten times more volume than, say, Bitfinex, that's um, not counted as a, as a real exchange, even though it is. Anyways, okay. So let's go on to market cap and transactions and all that. My definition here of market dominance is winner or loser, right? Because in the protocol, in a protocol race to become the TCP IP of value, there is a winner and everyone else. Second place is the first loser. So Bitcoin's dominance is 100% until it's 0%. Uh, Okay, so current market cap of Bitcoin is $148 billion. The actual market cap dominance is 44%. And that has been going up, but it doesn't matter, okay? Market cap dominance does not matter. Total current market cap for the entire Bitcoin space is $332 billion. Let's check out the MVT. I have links to all of these ratios and all these things in the show notes, so you guys can check that out. The MVT is supposed to be like a price to earnings ratio. Right now we're sitting at 108, 108. Uh, The way they get this right is it's the network value to transaction ratio. Um, Let me just read you what they have here. MVT ratio is similar to the PE ratio used in equity markets. When Bitcoin's MVT is high, it indicates that its network valuation is outstripping the value being transmitted on its payment network. This can happen when the network is in high growth and investors are valuing it as a high return investment, or alternatively, when the price is in an unstable bubble. Well, I don't buy this because because Bitcoin's not a payment network, okay? Bitcoin's a protocol. It's an idea. Value transmission on the internet. And you can't really, um, especially with the rise of Layer 2. Now, remember, Lightning Network is not the only Layer 2. Coinbase is a layer two. And who's had like the, the highest growth in customers over the last year? All these exchanges and Coinbase. And exchanges are layer two as well, right? Coinbase is a layer two. Uh, centralized layer two. That's one reason why when, when we talk about all this layer two stuff, I say, you know, centralized businesses can live happily on layer two. Either they can have their own layer two, like Coinbase, or they can start building around Lightning Network. So I really don't buy this, but a lot of people are talking about this MVT ratio, so I thought I'd put it in here as 108 for today. And it really doesn't tell me much, to be honest with you. Bitcoin is not a payment network, all right? 
now coin metrics uh they have this because i was getting um a lot of my numbers i was trying to estimate you know change addresses and all this and the best data i could find uh, for uh, total volume transacted on chain uh, minus change addresses okay unfortunately i was using blockchain.info and they have their you know they were one of the most popular wallets if not the most popular wallet for a long time and they had insider knowledge on what constituted a change address and what didn't and they could extrapolate more uh you know against every transaction that was made in that day what the actual volume was um that there is some limitations to that because one it's not reproducible and i don't like that so i'm going to start using the actual total and it, you can get this at coinmetrics.io again i'm going to put the link in the show notes but they have a whole post with their methodology um, laid out and so anyway let's see what we have here okay so for their most recent number they have 8.8 billion the average transaction value is going to be much higher, $47,000. Oh, man, I'm going to have to redo all of my thought process on this now. Um, that's huge. That's the average transaction value. But see, what happens when you start counting all every single thing going on on the, on the blockchain for that day on the network, these numbers can get very big. And um, I don't think that's the average transaction value. Because, you know, if you have a wallet with, uh, you got you have one input, and it's, say, five Bitcoins, and you want to send a transaction for a mill of Bitcoin, you have to send all of those coins and get the change address. So this is kind of like a day's destroyed almost, in a way, or a mix between actual sent Bitcoins and days destroyed. There could be some value in that, actually. So I'll keep watching this, but just know that uh, this both of these statistics have gone down except in the last couple days we've seen the average transaction value kind of level off um, and stop its its downward descent hopefully that continues in the future okay let's get the maximals price here <laughs> 21,267 it's still all-time high but uh, I mean it's not good okay all these statistics have come down uh, over the last couple days drastically and bitcoin has gone down but all of the altcoin the altcoin complex has died all right and this goes into one of my themes of the next year is going to be the decline of most altcoins you're going to see probably 10 to 20 of them hang on maybe lose a little bit of value but still be significantly valued like over a billion dollars market cap um but you're going to see most altcoins just trend towards zero. There's going to be very little pump action going on. Because, you know, this bubble has ran its course. Okay. There's not going to be a lot of uh, dumb money left because everyone's been so wrecked. So the altcoins, altcoin season has kind of died to be replaced by corporate coins. Instead of altcoins, faulty coins. I was hashtag <laughs> no uh faulty coins but uh, it's it's these these corporate coins and and i got this idea because you know poloniex kind of bought out by goldman sachs well circle or goldman sachs via circle and maybe they think oh you know we want our legacy people in here right we want an exchange for our legacy corporate coins 
because all these people are starting to launch all these corporate coins, like big players in the uh, Uber. Uh, well, Kodak was trying to launch one. Uh, who else is out there? Telegram, um, the Mitsubishi Bank out of China, or sorry, out of Japan. Um, obviously, you have the Petro. You have multiple people out of the Middle East and Russia talking about launching coins and, you know, either nation state or corporate coins. And that is going to be the next push of altcoins. They think they can launch their own coin, right? And it's backed by the company or the federal governments of these countries. And so it's going to have value. It's going to be a better altcoin. <laughs> but it's not going to work. I think it's going to be a uh, diminishing marginal return. So we have these altcoins that lasted for four or five years, right? The corporate coins will be much less than that. Probably a year or two where we have to really worry about these corporate coins uh, taking any narrative away from Bitcoin. But it's the next step, right? Imagine in 2011, somebody telling you that uh, Goldman Sachs was going to buy a Bitcoin exchange. No way. No way. So this is a logical progression. The big boys are coming in. It's also the, the Goldman Sachs buying Poloniex. I had been saying for, God, over a year, maybe even two years since I started doing this show, was that acquisitions are coming. Acquisitions are coming. They're, they're going to just buy up the space. I mean, imagine if you are a VC-backed exchange like Coinbase. And you want to, you know, <laughs> these VCs want exits, right? That is the traditional way that they make their money. And so they're looking to sell because Coinbase probably not going to IPO. I mean, maybe they have that in their thought process in the future, but probably not. They're going to be acquired by a large bank, almost guaranteed. They're going to be acquired by a large bank, a large player of some sort, and uh, for billions and billions of dollars. And that would be huge return on investment for all of these VCs. So anyway. <laughs> difficulty guys this has been a big story and okay so sepa had this his difficulty measures out and for a long time the you know something was buggy with the charts and the numbers and it wasn't a good source but it seems to be fixed so i linked to that in the show notes now that is again my source for difficulty uh, it has a really good history down at the bottom it shows you like the last year of difficulty changes so that's really good we did have a difficulty adjustment on the fifth and it was 9.4 percent again pretty damn big so we have all the way from december all the way through this fud let me read you just the percentages we have uh 18 increase 17 percent three percent that was a little one um 15 percent 16 percent 10 percent four percent nine percent i mean it just keeps the difficulty keeps going up i've always said this is a lagging indicator Okay, hash rate difficulty is lagging indicator, but it's going straight up still. It's backstopping the price. There is, if you look at this chart, there is no panic. The difficulty is showing us no panic. And they are already on schedule for another 9% increase in about 9 days. Maybe more than that. I mean, it could be a 10%, 12% increase. There is no sign of a pullback on the difficulty or the hash rate. I mean... Um, <clears throat> sometimes I use those interchangeably when I shouldn't, but, um, the hash rate and the difficulty are showing no signs of like this massive pullback and recession. It looks super solid guys. I mean, it just keeps going up. 
Tradeblock is showing the effective mempool at about 4 megabytes, which is nothing. Fees are basically zero. Let's go to Joho's site. He's showing total mempool size is about 20 megabytes, but 15 of those megabytes are for one Satoshi per byte. So, I mean, that's that must be what Tradeblock is doing. They're taking out the one Satoshi per byte transactions. But, I mean, it's it's kind of silly how low the mempool is right now. I made a transaction yesterday went through i mean it was confirmed in the first block i used just a menial fee so um yeah this this is pretty awesome guys uh, bitcoin the 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 narratives against bitcoin <laughs> which don't make any sense but at least they're easy for the mass public to latch onto transaction uh fees and market dominance market cap dominance and both of those things are looking really good very low fees very easy to make transactions and the market cap dominance is going up and up and up. <laughs> Even though those are bad metrics to use. Whatever. The one kind of drawback from a low mempool and low, low fees is that the impetus behind the Lightning Network is lessened. But these guys are still doing work. People are still testing. People are still building. There's hundreds of teams out there building Lightning into their systems right now. And we'll probably see the fruits of that labor definitely by the end of the year. And if we start seeing a big FOMO, big pickup in um, in uh, buzz around Bitcoin, we're going to see more and more of these Lightning teams actually going public. Um, a lot of these projects are going to be built on Bitcoin. And one of the, I mean, for example, prediction markets or uh, the interoperability type of chains out there for, um, or projects out there for Ethereum and, and all these other things, they will probably start being built on Bitcoin. Some of these more popular ones that have been around for a long time uh, are going to be starting to be built on Lightning by the end of the year. Okay, development. Let's check that out. If you guys don't uh, follow PR merges on Twitter, do so because it's kind of fun to get the, you know, see the tweets of when everything's merged into the code base. There was a ton of activity this week. Oh my God. Look at this. 51 merged pull requests in the last seven days 51 and 75 closed issues and this is the week after 0.16 was released right so it kind of seems like that was taking up all of their attention a lot of the major uh core developers this 0.16 launch was taking up a lot of their attention and they didn't have time to review these pull requests and get them merged but now They've caught up on a lot of these, and it just seems like they're going lights out, lights out. Remember, Bitcoin is the most heavily developed crypto. It's the most robust. The bugs are the shallowest, right, because they're the most eyes on the code. And they keep doing cooler and cooler things. The cutting edge of cryptography is on Bitcoin development, bulletproofs, confidential transactions, um, all that stuff happening on Bitcoin. Mimble Wimble, it's mainly the Bitcoin core. Some of the people from the core team uh, or from some core contributors working on Mimble Wimble. All this cutting edge stuff is from Bitcoiners, okay? And again, if you go into uh, coingecko.com, they go and they, they rank the coins not based on market cap, but they, they rank them based on a lot of different things, including development, which is pretty neat. Uh, they have a lot of statistics there. 
and you can go and see like activity on Bitcoin with its, I don't know, what is it like uh, 50,000 commits or some crazy like that. And uh, then you'll see some of these other coins that are in the top 20 that have zero activity, zero, but they have a market cap of eight, seven, eight billion dollars. Anyway, it's kind of funny. All right, Lightning Network, let's take a look there. Let's do mainnet. Wow. All right. Uh, 985 nodes. So about 100 increase from the last time, my last show. Uh, with 1,822 channels, 1.8, 1.9 channels per node. So that's better. We want to see over two. Three would be the best channels per node uh, because you want to have redundancy. Right? And you don't want to have a hub-and-spoke type of centralized architecture. I mean, distributed architecture is okay, but uh, you want to be the most decentralized possible. And the total capacity has gone up quite a bit. It's at 4.5 BTC. And with the price crash, you know, that is about $40,000. So the, the dollar amount of liquidity on Lightning has gone down. But uh, that will reverse trend when, when the price goes back up, obviously. So 4.5 Bitcoin capacity. Lightning Network is healthy. Um, there is like, they are going to make hard breaking changes in the future. And they do have, they, this is a big uh, point of discussion is how do we upgrade this in flight, right? Because now big, the Lightning Network is in flight. And how do we push out these breaking changes, these hard forks, quote unquote, hard forks to the Lightning nodes? And they're working on it. Um, of course, it's not as dramatic as. Uh, the Bitcoin network, because with the Bitcoin network, you have this this uh, consensus, you know, that you have to maintain. And with the Lightning network, it's less. It's less bad. I mean, people might lose some of their Bitcoins uh, due to operator error, but they're going to upgrade it in a way where you are not like if you follow the procedures, you, you will not lose your coins. Um, so it's much much safer to upgrade this in flight it's more like updating a really slow moving vehicle versus a boeing 747 which is the bitcoin network but yeah it's it's coming in the future and, and when they get this you know real hammered out till they're really satisfied with a good release for the public uh man mainnet's gonna explode but remember this is these 985 nodes are just enthusiasts they want to get on there and start messing around Anyway, let's continue. OTC. I don't have any OTC numbers. Let me go quick to local Bitcoins and see what they're showing. I mean, the price has been declining, so I expect the volume to be declining. Yeah, the OTC volume. This is public OTC. That's declining. But there's a ton, a ton of OTC volume that we don't know about because it's private OTC. <clears throat> and, I mean, local Bitcoins can give us kind of a flavor um, but it's way, way undervalued. So I kind of stopped worrying so much about this uh, particular stat, this over-the-counter over the counter trading. Google Trends. Let's take a look at Google Trends. Oh, my God. Let's go and check out Google Trends, man. Same, same deal here. We have, uh, again, like I talked about last time, the way Google Trends works is the highest volume week. They put it 100, and that was back at the all-time high. Okay, so that's a 100 on this chart. And last time I did the show, I think we were at 25 and we're down at 18. Uh, so that is showing a decline. But, I mean, it's it's steady. There's no, like, big cliff here that we, like, we went off a big cliff 
yesterday in price. Um, there's no big cliff on Google Trends. So that is, that's good. Uh, hopefully we'll turn around here soon. Other than that, we have news. Let's, let's get into some of this news. I know I'm going along here already, but uh, we'll get this news out and then go on from there. Okay, first piece of news I have is that Bcash is dying. Before the whole Mt. Gox stuff came out, this was like my lead story for this episode, and uh, Bcash is dying. There was this controversy over Cobra on Twitter talking about buying Bcash versus, you know, Bitcoin, and he that's Thamos. All right, so he's the famous RBTC Bitcoin Talk owner. Uh, not our BTC, sorry, our Bitcoin and Bitcoin Talk owner, as well as Bitcoin.org. He's a co-owner of that, apparently. And he was evil. He was totally evil to, during the scaling debate, he was the guy doing the censorship, all right? And I said back then that he was going to be a hero. We were going to look back on that time and his decision uh, about not talking about altcoins on our, B, our Bitcoin as a huge uh, good thing for Bitcoin. And I think it was. But, you know, now he is going the other way and he's saying he's buying Bcash and selling his Bitcoin. Um, also, Oliver or Olivier, I think it's Johansson, damn it. What's his last name? Olivier Johansson or something. Uh, he uh, came out and was talking about merge mining. Okay. Merge mining Bcash because they can't hold the hash rate. And it's very insecure right now. I mean, when you have 10% of the hash rate, okay. Um, of the SHA-256 hash rate. This is, it's very insecure. You could have a pool that has 11% of the total hash rate and they could come and 51% attack your network forever. Or they could do some huge sell, like they could send Bitcoin to the, uh, Bcash to an exchange, sell it for Bitcoin, withdraw that, right? And then release a longer chain on Bcash because they 51% attacked it. It's very, very insecure. Um, so they're talking, they're, they're, they're freaking out about this. And Olivier, he's been involved heavily with Roger Ver. He's kind of crazy, uh, person about, uh, scaling and, uh, you know, the big blocks and all that really desperately wants to have power and be in charge. And so he was talking about merge mining because they're realizing how damn insecure it is. And Cobra, um, he was talking about, uh, the, this, uh, proof of work stuff as well. And because he wants Bitcoin to change their proof of work because he doesn't like what Bitmain is doing and thinks that it's in trouble, which it really isn't in trouble right now, but, uh, it's getting better. And, but he's really fixated on that. And then he went to Bcash now and is telling them to change their proof of work, which they won't because it is a Bitmain coin, basically, even though Bitmain does have a lot of GPU stuff, uh, they could think about going that way. Because SHA-256, like this, the way they're doing it now, is just blatantly insecure. So I don't know uh, how they're even... They're not selling this to anybody else. Like my miner friend that's here in town, he's starting to put more and more hash rate out there. And um, like he says, they are not. They don't. They won't touch Bcash with a 10-foot pole. Because the difficulty adjustment is just too 
variable. They can't, you know, have a consistent ROI or anything like that because the difficulty is adjusting every day, every block. And if there's a huge pump and the difficulty goes up by 50%, you know, that messes up their whole ROI calculations. And so they're like, we're not touching that with a 10 foot pole. Very interesting. But yeah, Bcash, they know they're in trouble. They're starting to die slowly here. Their last pump, the Anarchapoco pump, went nowhere. And uh, I just think it's totally negative for them. I linked to a couple things in the show notes here. Specifically, Matt O'Dell, he has a tweet out uh, about this situation. It's, it's, some, it's some good information. Okay, the ASIC boost saga. I don't have a ton <clears throat> for this. But, uh, you know, ASIC boost, it turns out that a lot of this Bcash stuff was all, uh, scaling debate was all over this ASIC boost. Jihan had a patent in China for covert ASIC boost and uh, was using that, didn't want to give it up because Segwit breaks ASIC boost, covert ASIC boost. And um, so he didn't want to give that up. So really Bcash is the ASIC boost chain where he is mining with an unfair advantage or a patented advantage. Okay. And uh, anyway, so the new saga is that the rights to the overt ASIC boost that's actually more profitable to use, where you can see that it's be- it's happening on the on the main chain. Uh, and the way the one Jihan was using, you couldn't tell. The only way you could tell with his was that there was empty blocks or near empty blocks, and that happened a lot for Ant Pool. So people were speculating that that's what was happening. But the the overt one uh, is easily identifiable and it that that patent was owned by somebody this uh company called like little dragon enterprises or something bought the patent last year and now has released it in a defensive patent pool so if you join this patent pool you can get this asic boost and be able to use it um and there's other people out there or when you join that patent pool you must open up your patents as well so it's it's a kind of a really cool game theory that's happening here, um, trying to draw these patents out. It's a very interesting. Uh, but overall, I think Bitcoin mining is fine. Bitcoin mining is fine, guys. It's I remember back, this was back at the beginning of 17, and Vinny Lingham was all scared about these miners. And he's like, to hurt the miners, we have to crash the price. To hurt the miners, we have to crash the price. That, that shows a fundamental misunderstanding of economics because how do you invite competition in you increase the margins you increase the profitability of that industry and you'll invite more competition in and that's exactly what happened the price goes up now we have um, probably three i think is it three manufacturer new manufacturers in the game manufacturing seven nanometer chips jihan is having trouble with one of his the the developer of his asics left the company to start his own company because the margins were so high so that's the way you decentralize is you increase the margins in that business and when bitcoin needs it bitcoin will get it okay bitcoin knows what it needs when it needs it so it's uh it's pretty good at self-preservation it's it's almost like it's a life form uh, and yes mining could be more decentralized but it will be just hold on when it's needed it will be yeah, those are the big items I had. I was on Andy Hoffman's show yesterday, uh, so thanks, Andy, for having me on. We talked about a lot of different things, and um, one thing we have to understand is that 
uh, that I want to push and my listeners to this show, you guys are, since we talk a little bit, you know, lower level stuff here with the fundamentals, um, you guys can push this as well when you're talking on Reddit or you're talking on Twitter or whatever in your local meetup, wherever you're at, um, you can push this too. And that is Bitcoin is different. Bitcoin is not a centralized ICO. It's not a centralized altcoin. Okay. Bitcoin is different. So all these regulations coming out about ICOs and about the government cracking down on things, they don't involve Bitcoin. They involve these ICOs and these centralized things. Um, again, this is why decentralization is good. If you would have asked any Bitcoiner in 2012, <laughs> they would have told you that the governments will come for you if you are centralized. Look at eGold, right? Anytime you have some sort of disruption towards their system, especially the legacy financial system, they will come for you. They're coming for the ICOs. They're going to co-opt the ICOs. They're going to co-opt the altcoins. And there's going to be Bitcoin left because it is Bitcoin is the most decentralized, the most censorship resistant network out there. And now that we have SegWit, uh, it would be nice to have some more privacy and fungibility, which I think we will get. Um, but, you know, right now, if there was no changes to Bitcoin, it would be OK. You could just have some maintainers for Bitcoin. But, you know, all the, the major core developers now could go and retire and live peaceful lives out there and not and they could stop developing bitcoin and be safe i worry for them sometimes you know so uh bitcoin is the most decentralized it's the most censorship resistant it has the most of everything out there and it's not an ico it's not a centralized project all these regulations are going to hurt the icos and the altcoins and leave bitcoin untouched i mean there is some contagion here in with these altcoins but Bitcoin will be relatively unscathed. A lot of money will flow into Bitcoin from the altcoins. Um, and as Bitcoin is seen as the only major player, it's going to pump in value. Okay. It's probably going to drag these corporate coins up with it, but that's for another show. All right. So let's check the price before I sign off here. 89.30 continues up. That's a really good sign. Um, we are approaching that 200 day moving average which is 89.27 so right now we're above it 89.32 we're back above one for the mayor multiple back above the 200 day moving average it looks really strong to me here and especially as this this gox news is digested none of these extra coins have moved they're in 2000 bitcoin addresses or bitcoin balances in these addresses looks like they could be into a new phase maybe selling these off um we'll see Oh, one thing I tweeted last night before I sign off here was this market turned right at the Tokyo close. Right at the Tokyo close. Tokyo's back open now again. And it's pumping still. But that is interesting to me. There's a couple narratives out of Japan. The Gox and this NEM, CoinCheck, selling Bitcoin to buy NEM back for their customers. So there's that push on the price too. It's just interesting that... At market close in Japan, the market turns. That was crazy. I'm not saying why. I just think it's very, very interesting. And maybe we'll learn some stuff in the future what's going on over there. So again, 89. Well, now we're 89.20. We're back below that 200-day moving average. But we're, we're, we're passing it at this time. Hopefully by the end of the day, we'll be squarely above 9,000 and heading up after this correction. So... <laughs> 
All right, guys, thank you for listening. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. Thank you to all my patrons. You guys are very patient with me getting um, <clears throat> content out a little bit slower these days. But, uh, you know, with the market action, sleep is at a minimum and my days are very busy. Uh, but uh, I have put out a few things on Patreon and I'm going to be putting out a few more things here over the next couple weeks. So if you guys want to get involved with Patreon, go over there, patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. See you guys later. Thanks for listening.